Well, today we're going to wrap up our series entitled Forever Family, and our foundational scripture is found in Ephesians chapter 1. And the Bible says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Think about what that scripture just says. God loved us, and God chose us, and God decided in advance to adopt us into his family before we ever did anything. Can I get an amen from somebody today? How awesome the love of God is that God did not wait you to earn, wait for you to earn his love. God loved you, God chose you, God accepted you, and invited you to be a part of his, what we're calling that forever family. Amen? So let's just do a little recap this morning, a couple things we've talked about over the last few weeks. We said every single person on the planet needs three things. We all need God. We need a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We need the love of God, and we need the love that comes from God so we can show that to other people. And then we need family. And guess what? You don't get to choose your natural family, but you get to choose your spiritual family. And I made this statement two weeks ago, and I just want to say it again today. One of the challenges that happens is we live in a world of dysfunction. Have you guys noticed that today? The family is 100% under attack, and there is a, a really, I believe, a demonic scheme against the family and against the family unit, and we're seeing so many things happen in our world. But one of the challenges that I see that happens in people's lives is that because of the pain of their natural family, they reject the spiritual family. Because of the pain of their natural family, they reject the spiritual family. But let me just encourage you in this. Don't allow the pain of your natural family to keep you from the gift of the spiritual family that God has called us to. The body of Christ is a gift from God to create a spiritual family. And I just like to be really honest with people. The church is not a perfect place for perfect people. It is a perfect place for imperfect people to serve a perfect God and to grow in the relationship that we have with Him. So the church is not perfect, right? The old saying, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up, right? Because there's no such thing as a perfect church because it's made up of people just like me and you. But the church, the body of Christ, the spiritual family that God has given us, this is a gift, guys. This is a gift that we have been given by God to connect to something that can bring the life of God into our lives in a way that we could never experience all alone, right? We could never experience it all alone. So everybody needs God, everybody needs love, everybody needs a family. And God through Christ gave us all of those things. We recognize that the family of God is not a closed club. Can I get an amen? It's not a closed club. It's an all-inclusive, and it's accessible to anyone who decides to follow Jesus. And as believers, we must be willing to accept love, each other, right where we are, just as God did for us. This is not a closed club. The doors to the body of Christ are wide open, right? Jesus propped them open, nailed them open on the cross so that whosoever will can come. And we just need to make sure that we don't close the door on somebody God opened it to. We need to make sure that we don't allow our pride or our insecurities or our dislike. Let me just say this to you. The person you can't stand the most is the person God died for. That individual, you don't even want to be the same room with them. Jesus has propped the doors of heaven to them open. And he has invited them in to be a part of the family of God. And how dare we stand in the way of someone, right? How dare we become religious Pharisees that shuts the door when Jesus has opened the door and keeping people from entering. So sometimes we just got to get over ourselves. Can I get an amen from somebody? 
family of God is not a close call. Look at the next point, last recap. In order to continue to see God's kingdom grow and flourish and advance, we must be willing to get to work, get dirty, do the hard things that most others aren't willing to do because what else is family for? We've got to be willing to get to work. I want to share with you a scripture. Uh, Jesus made this statement. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into the harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Let me give you a thought. Let me reframe that just like this for you this morning. The harvest only comes in when the laborers go out. The harvest only comes in when the laborers go out. And we've got to recognize something. If we want to see the kingdom of God and the family of God continue to grow, then we've got to be laborers in the harvest. We've got to be laborers. We've got to be willing to go out into a world that is desperate for the hope of the gospel. Let me just tell you something. Our world is ripe and ready for the hope of Jesus Christ. People are more messed up, more broken, more hurting, more discouraged, and more overwhelmed than they have ever been on any other time in our lives, guys. People are desperate. And they don't know what to do or where to turn or who to trust. And we have the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody in here ever grown a garden? I've seen people grow gardens. It's a pretty amazing thing. When I was a kid, I had to work in the garden. So I said, when I become an adult, I'm going to buy my food. Come on, somebody. But you know what's interesting about a garden? You can do all the work in the garden, and you can have the vines filled with harvest. But if you don't go out into the field, it will die on the vine. And I just want to tell you something. I, prophetically, I heard this this morning. The Lord said, Keith, he said, people are dying on the vine. Let me bring it home. People are dying on the vine in Arab, Alabama. People are dying on the vine in Holly Pond. People are dying on the vine wherever you're watching me from. Your little city, your little community, people are dying on the vine right where you're at. They are ready for the harvest. They are desperate for the hope of the gospel. And you know what the church does? The church gets excited about coming in and not real excited about going out. And we have failed to realize that the only reason we come in is so that we are equipped and encouraged and inspired enough to go out and reap a harvest that is waiting for somebody to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And let, let me just, again, I want to just give you another thought today. I'm, I'm gonna just, this is all free this morning. Is this all right, guys? This is extra, bonus, bonus material. I heard a gentleman say it like this. He, 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 said, he said, you don't have to meet anybody new for you to have a harvest field. You already have a harvest field. And you don't even have to meet a new person to have a harvest field. And, and he used this little illustration. He said, everybody has a friend. Now, let me just tell you, we have a friend or really a franny in our house. Right, Kelly? A couple of years ago, Kelly wanted those robotic vacuum cleaners. You know what I'm talking about? So we had this little thing among our family. Everybody got to submit a name because Kelly was going to name it. And she is named Franny. And Franny does not work hard enough, I'm just telling you. <laughs> but all of us have a friend. All of us have friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. You have friends that don't know God. 
You have relatives that don't know God. You have associates, people you work with that don't know God. And you have neighbors that literally live right across the street from you that don't know God. You don't have to meet anybody you don't know and you already live in a harvest field. Think about that. You don't have to build a new relationship. You don't have to knock on a door and say, Hi, I'm Keith from Liberty Church. Do you know Jesus? You don't have to do any of that. We actually do that, by the way. But you don't have to do any of that because you already know people that don't know God. And many of the people that you know that do know God are actually far from God, moving in the wrong direction because they've been hurt, wounded, or deceived by the enemy. And instead of drawing near to God, they're pulling away from Him. So the harvest is plentiful. Just go home today. Let me give you a little homework. Y'all good with homework today? Kelly loved homework. I like to pick on Kelly. She loved homework when she was a kid. She was weird. Right? She loved homework. <laughs> you were weird in a special way. <laughs> she loved homework. She still likes homework, by the way. You don't like it no more. She don't like it anymore. Here's you some homework. Go home. Number a piece of paper, 1 to 20. Open notes in your phone, right? 1 to 20. I don't care how you do it. And just write down friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors that you know that either don't know God or are far from God. And I bet you you'll fill up that list of 20 people. And when you fill that list up, I want you to recognize something. You ought to write at the top of that piece of paper, harvest field. Harvest field. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I love what Jesus said. He did not say, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. He said, so pray to the Lord of the harvest that the laborers, that he would send laborers into his field. We need to pray, and we need to pray for laborers. But we also need to worship and we also need to study the word. But guess what? If we pray and we worship and we study the word and we don't go out to the fields, the harvest never comes in. You are a laborer. And let me just say this. Let me encourage you. One little thought. We're going to move on again. This is all extra. So who's going to give me an extra five minutes today? I'm going to need about 20. Come on, somebody. Think about this for just a second. What would your daily Christian life look like if you got up every day and said, today, I'm going to be a laborer in God's field. I'm going to be a laborer in the harvest. What if every day you got up and said, today, I'm going to plant, I'm going to water, or maybe I'm going to harvest in the field of God. I'm going to plant, I'm going to water, or I'm going to harvest. Because not every day do you harvest, and not every day do you plant, and not every day do you water. But you can plant, and you can water, and you can harvest. And this is what I've recognized. Every day of my life, I can do one of those three things every day. Every day, there's a seed that I can sow. There's a seed that I can water. Or there's a harvest that I can bring in in somebody else's life every single day of my life. Now, let me ask you one other question. Have you ever met, have you ever met a soul winner? Have you ever met somebody that was just like crazy, radical about winning souls? You know what's interesting about soul winners is they're always excited. They're just excited. I mean, they're always excited. And do you know why they're always excited? Because they are connected to the harvest. 
They're not bored with their Christian journey. They're not bored with Christianity. They're not bored with the Bible. They're not bored with prayer. They're not bored with worship. They're not bored with church. They're excited about all of it because they recognize that all of those things fuel the fire that enables them to reach people with the gospel. And they're so fired up and they're so excited. Think about what your Christian life would look like if every day you decided to be a laborer in God's field. Amen? Y'all still with me this morning? Everybody good? I apologize. I need an extra 25 minutes. Can somebody help me out this morning? All right, look at that first point of the lesson for today. Since the kingdom of God is eternal, Christians have a major duty and a responsibility because we know the truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Anybody in here know the truth today? Do you know the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life? Anybody know that today? Come on, any hands in the house? Anybody know that today? If you're online, raise your hand. Come on, do a little hand emoji up there and say, hey, I know the truth today. Guess what? If you know the truth, you have a duty and a responsibility. You have a duty and a responsibility. Hear this today. To be actively passing on the knowledge of the truth that you and I have and know about God. Basically and foundationally that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. We have a responsibility and we have a duty to be actively passing on the knowledge of the truth to every person that we know. And again, it's not that you even got to meet a new person. You've already got a harvest field of people that you already know that you can be sharing and sowing the knowledge of truth into their life, which is that Jesus Christ is the way. How many know there's not five ways to heaven? How many know there's not every road leads to heaven? How many know good people don't go to heaven? Saved people go to heaven. Born again people go to heaven. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people come alive. Come on, somebody. And so all of a sudden, let me, let me give you a scripture. Romans chapter 1, it's not on the screen. If you're a note taker, go ahead and take this note. You can go home and read your Bible. That'd be great this week. Come on. Let's go home and read the Bible. Romans 1, verse 14 and 15. Paul says this. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Paul said, I am a debtor basically to all men. I want, I want to just say this to you today. How many of you could agree, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you've been born again, that you really do owe God everything? Anybody could agree with that? I owe God everything. I owe God everything. So let me give you a thought. If you, go, if you literally owe God everything, then you, then you owe everybody something. If you owe God everything, then you owe everybody something. And the something you owe everybody is the knowledge of the truth through Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm a debtor to every man. Jew or Gentile, barbarian or free, educated, uneducated, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter if you like me or different from me, doesn't matter if you live where I live or live in another county or country or, or place, it doesn't matter. He said, I owe every man, I am a debtor to all people. And here's what I owe people, because I owe God everything, I owe everybody something, and here's the something I owe everybody, the knowledge of the truth, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the hope of the world, and apart from him there's nothing, but through him we have life and life eternal. I owe everybody that. Amen? We have a duty and a responsibility to share the truth of the gospel because we are a part of the family of God. We're supposed to pass this stuff on. Proverbs 22, verse 6. says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not 
depart from it. Because not only do we have a responsibility to pass on the truth to those that are in our field of influence, but we also have a responsibility to pass on to our children and our children's children the truth of Jesus Christ. Train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way. How many know Jesus is the way? Come on, somebody. Train up a child in the way that he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. We have a responsibility to train up our children in the way they should go, in the way of Jesus Christ. And let me just encourage you in something. I heard a lady in our church years ago. She shared this with me one Sunday. She said, Pastor Keith, she said, we raised our kids in church but we didn't raise our kids in Christ. We raised our kids in church, but we didn't raise our kids in Christ. And how many of you know there's a difference? And the difference is this. The church, hear me today, we have some of the best, by, let me just say, we have the best children's and youth ministry on the planet. Right here it is in Arab, Alabama, Holly Pond, Alabama, wherever you're at, we got it. I mean, we got some amazing children's workers, some amazing youth workers. They're pouring their hearts out for the sake of teaching and training your children in the way of Jesus Christ. But our children's and youth ministry is supposed to supplement what you do at home, not substitute what you do at home. The church is a supplement for the teaching and training that is supposed to be happening in your home. And we're not a substitute for mom and dad. We are a supplement for mom and dad to help you train up your children the way they should go. And let me just tell you something. What I love about our children and youth ministry is that not only are we investing in our children and youth, but for every, let me just say, for every parent here today and every grandparent, when you bring your children to our children's and youth ministry at Liberty Church, let me tell you what happens. You automatically get an advocate that is on your side as a parent. How many know there are a lot of voices in the world telling your kids that their mom and dad don't know what they're talking about? There's a lot of voices out there saying, don't listen to your mom, they're just old. Don't listen to your dad, he don't know what he's talking about. A lot of voices out there undermining the authority of your parents. But I want to tell you something, when you bring your kids to Liberty Church, from our children all the way up through our youth ministry, you know what every youth and child's worker is going to do? They're going to, they're going to take your children and they're going to bring them to a place of honoring the authority of their mom and dad. I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. And it is so powerful. And I feel like probably one of the best kept secrets of children and youth ministry at Liberty is that moms and dads don't really know that they're not only getting a great place for their kids to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, but they're also getting an advocate that's in the corner of mom and dad that's supporting you as you're raising your kids up in the ways of the Lord. So why don't we give our children's and youth workers a round of applause this morning. Come on. So we have a duty and we have a responsibility to make sure we are passing on those things. Look at that next point on your outline this morning. Once we've made the decision to live for and be a part of God's family, two amazing things happen. A heritage is passed on and a legacy is forged. Inherently, the legacy and the heritage of Jesus' life are available to anyone who believes in him. Let me tell you the difference. Let me just talk about heritage and legacy. The moment you got born again, you received a spiritual inheritance. You now have a heritage 
in Christ. Write this down if you're taking notes. Galatians 4 verse 7 says, Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ Jesus. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And the moment you got born again, you were adopted into the family of God, and you came into a, a heritage, and ultimately that heritage released an inheritance into your life. Let me tell you what your heritage in Christ is. Your heritage in Christ is that you now have access to everything that God has for you. You have a spiritual heritage. You have an inheritance through Christ Jesus that gives you access. That's why the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy in time of need. Why? Because everything that we need has now been made available to us. The scripture says that Jesus through his death created a new and a living way that we could enter in literally to the presence of God and have access to everything that God has for us. Jesus said in John chapter 14 that when the Holy Spirit would come, he would take of what is mine and he would show it and deliver it to you. So you have a spiritual heritage, which means you have an inheritance in Christ that you now have access. That's why the Bible says that all the promises of God, that, that through the promises of God, we, have, we can be partakers of the divine nature and that we have access to everything that we need for life and godliness because we have an inheritance, because we have a heritage in Christ, because we've been adopted in the family. But not only do we have a heritage, but we have a legacy. And the word legacy is interesting because heritage and legacy really are almost have the same definition, but the difference is simply this. A herit a, 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 your heritage is your inheritance, which means what you have access to. But your legacy is not an inheritance of what you have. It's an inheritance of who you are. So you have a legacy in Christ that now you are a son and a daughter of God. You've been brought into the royal family. Come on, somebody. Right? You are above only and not beneath. You're the head, not the tail. You're the top, not the bottom. You're the first and not the last because you have a legacy in Christ. There's a, there's a rap song out there that I wouldn't recommend you to listen to, but they use it in a lot of sports highlight rails. All I do is win. All I do is win. All I do is win. And I was just thinking about that crazy song this week, and I thought, you know what? That shouldn't be a rap song. That should be the legacy of every person that belongs to Christ. All I do is win. Why? Because I've been brought into the family of God. Not only do I have access to what God has given me, but I am now a child of the King. When Kelly and I were raising our kids and they were all younger, they're all grown now and doing amazing things, about to have another grandbaby. Woohoo, come on. Got grandma and grandpa over here. Alan, Sherry, glad to have y'all with us this morning. John Wesley's mom and dad. But, but I was thinking about when we were raising our kids, we, we read something or watched something or heard something where a lady talked about how they, they instilled the values of their family and their children. And then they had this little phrase they would say to their kids every time they left the house. Because they spend a lot of time talking about who we are as a family. And we're a family, we're, we're a Christian family, and we're a godly family, and we're a family that walks in integrity, and we're a family that walks in love, and we're a family that walks in truth. And they said every time their kids would leave the house, they'd say this little phrase, remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're Hodges. Remember who you are. You've got integrity. Remember who you are. You're a Christian. Remember who you are. You're godly. Remember who you are. You walk in truth. Remember who you are. And our legacy is that God has invited us into his family and he's given us his name. 
And he says, remember who you are. You're a child of the king. Remember who you are. You are valuable and worthy. Remember who you are. Don't cheapen yourself. Don't sell yourself. Don't compromise yourself. You are a child of God. Remember who you are because you have a heritage and you have a legacy in Christ that has been passed on to those who believe. Look at that next point on your outline. One day, our physical bodies will die and pass away. It's once appointed unto man to die. And after death, the judgment. And there will be one or two eternal destinations awaiting us, heaven or hell. I heard a gentleman just this past week make this statement. He said one of the greatest revelations he ever got in his life is he said he realized that at the end of every person's life, everybody's either going to be a winner or a loser based on one thing. He said, if you get into heaven, and this is his words, he said, if you get into heaven by the skin of your teeth, and I, I don't want people just to get in by the skin of their teeth, but this is what he said. He said, if you get into heaven by the skin of your teeth, then for eternity, you're going to be a winner. He said, but if you miss heaven by the skin of your teeth and go to hell, you're going to be a loser forever. You're either a winner or a loser, not based on how much money you had, not based on how much success you had, not based on what kind of car you drove or what kind of house you lived in or what kind of social media status you had. You are a winner or a loser based on where you spend eternity. Forever a winner or forever a loser. And one day everybody's going to die and everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere either in heaven or in hell. And look at the rest of this little statement. Three questions I want to ask you. I'm going to give you some little points to ponder right here in the middle of the service, okay? Hopefully this is the end of the service if I do good. Amen. Here's the first question. When you die, when your day comes, where will you go? When your day comes, when you die, where will you go? Let me just interject a little encouragement to you today. The greatest gift you can give your family, hear me, this is huge. The greatest gift you can give your family is the assurance of your salvation. The greatest gift. 29 years I've been a pastor. 29 years I preached I don't know how many funerals. And one of the saddest things I've ever had to walk through as a pastor is walking through a funeral with a family that did not know where their family member was going to spend eternity. The greatest gift you can give your family is the assurance of your salvation. That they know, that they know, that they know, that they know that when they die and go to heaven, you're going to be waiting on them. Because Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. That's the greatest gift, is the assurance of your salvation. What a tragedy to leave your family wondering about your eternal soul when you're dead and gone and there is now no hope to change it. So when you die, where are you going to go? We're going to give you an opportunity to answer that question in a few minutes if you don't know the answer. Second question I want you to ponder today is what, if anything, from God in your life will be passed on? What are you passing on? See, see there's a great scripture in the book of Deuteronomy that says the secret things belong to the Lord, but those things that are revealed belong to us and our children. Those things that are revealed belong to us and our children. See, the moment you get a revelation, my kids at five-year-old, five years old, we're walking in a revelation of God that it took me and Kelly 30 years to figure it out. See, they were born into some things that we weren't born into. And they grew up in some revelation about God. See, the moment you know that God's a healer, your children don't have to worry about, does God heal? 
The moment you know God's a provider and God's a deliverer and God's a rescuer and God's a restorer, the moment you really know that and receive that revelation, all of a sudden your children have access to something they didn't have to discover. They just inherited. They just inherited it. But let me tell you what I also know about those revelations. If we're not intentional, they won't pass on. And what a sad thing for the revelation that you have of God to die with you. What are you passing on that God's given to you? What are you purposely, intentionally sharing with the next generation? And this does not apply. Maybe you're watching, listen to me, maybe you're watching me online and you think, well, Pastor Keith, I don't even have kids, this don't even apply to me. Let me just tell you something. We have spiritual sons and daughters, and we have that field of influence that we just talked about a while ago. And maybe you don't have natural sons and daughters, but you are influencing people for Christ. What are you passing on? What are you sharing to that generation or those people that are in your field, so to speak, so that they can know who God is because you've already taken the time to encounter Him in a real way. And then the last question I want to ask you, I want to send you home just pondering today, is what will you be remembered for? What will you be remembered for? I heard a gentleman make this statement. He said, <clears throat> he said most people when they die are going to be remembered for two things. They're going to be remembered for the problems they create and the problems they solve. <laughs> There's probably a lot of truth in that. But I want to challenge you to think about something. What will you be remembered for? What will you be remembered for? What will be the legacy and the heritage that you leave behind? What is it that people will say about you? What will your children know about you? John Wesley shared with me just this week a, a gentleman that was very instrumental in his life, passed away and went home to be with the Lord. And the last few days maybe of his life, he had an opportunity to call and to meet with all of his kids and his grandkids. And and he, and he blessed them and he prayed over them. And he prophetically spoke the favor and blessing of God over them. And John Wesley said, it just reminded me of the Bible when, when they would lay their hands on their kids and bless them. What are you leaving behind? What are people going to remember you for? What is the spiritual heritage and the spiritual legacy that you're leaving? Because if it does not, hear me, if it does not reflect the heritage and legacy that Christ gave us, then we need to change. Jesus gave us a spiritual heritage. Jesus gave us a legacy, a name above every name, that we could be a part of the family of God, that we could get up every day and hey, say, today, I need to remember who I am. I'm a child of the King. I don't need to sell myself to this world. I don't need to cheapen myself. I don't need to degrade myself. I don't need to lower myself. I don't need to compromise myself. I am royalty. What's the legacy you're leaving? What's the heritage that you're passing on? Because I want to say to us today, it matters. It matters. So I want you just to bow your heads with me today. And I want to do two things this morning. The first thing I want to do is I realize that many of you here today and many of you watching online are, are believers. You know that without a shadow of a doubt, you're a part of God's forever family. And you know that when you die, you're going you're gonna to win. You're going to go to heaven. Not based on your works, but based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And if you know that today, what a blessing that is. 
So if you know that today, I, the challenge I want to give you today is to ask you this question. What is the heritage and what is the legacy you're leaving? What is the heritage and what is the legacy you're leaving to your children and your children's children? What is the heritage and what is the legacy you're leaving to that field of influence that you're living your life in every single day? What is it? If you were to die right now with the people in that circle of influence, would they know that they know that they know without a shadow of a doubt where you're at? <laughs> Have you left that kind of legacy? Let me tell you, this is not a good time to be a closet Christian. This is not a good time just to hide and do just enough to get into heaven. I'm glad we can be saved by the skin of our teeth, but I'm just going to tell you, that's not the fullness of life that God has for you. So today I want to challenge you to think about as a Christian, what do I need to change? How do I need to change the heritage and the legacy that I'm leaving? What do I need to do different in my life today and every day following this day? Not a one-day change, but an everyday change from this moment on. I'm going to make a decision today. I'm going to draw a line in the sand, and I'm going to step across this thing into a brand new season where I'm going to begin to invest in and leave a spiritual heritage and a spiritual legacy that's going to impact for God and glory the people in my life. So I want to challenge you right now just to make that decision. Do business with God. If you're a Christian today, think about that and begin to make those adjustments right now in your heart and your mind. And go before God and say, Lord, forgive me. God, forgive us for allowing fruit to die on the vine. Forgive us for not being laborers and harvesters. Forgive us, God, for not passing on and not creating a spiritual legacy. God, forgive us for investing more time in the natural things that won't last than we do in the spiritual things that will last. Father, forgive us and create in us a heart, God, that, that wants to pass on to others what you've passed on to us, an amazing heritage, an amazing legacy that will last forever. So if you're a believer, just do business with God. Maybe you're here today, though. The second thing is with every head bowed, every eye closed, Maybe you're here today in person. Maybe you're watching online and you realize, Pastor Keith, I'm not a part of God's family. If I were to die right now, I don't know that I would go to heaven. Well, let me give you a clue today. If you don't know that you would go to heaven, then you will probably go to hell. It's that clear, guys. If you don't know that Jesus is Lord of your life, then he's not Lord of your life. And today we can remedy that. Today there is a good news in the gospel. That's what the word gospel means, good news. And here's the good news. Jesus died for me and you. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. What does that mean? It means today you can be born again. It means today you can be adopted into the family of God and you can be saved. You can be saved today. So this morning, if you're here in person or you're watching online, you say, Pastor Keith, that's me. Today I want to be born again. Today I want to be saved. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want you just to raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith right now. We're about to pray together, but I want you to raise your hand. Just today, say, today, that's me, Pastor Keith. Today I want to be born again. If you're watching online, just hit that little hand emoji or type in that comment box. I'm raising my hand. I want to accept Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. This is your moment. You're going to be a winner or a loser, not based on anything in this world, but based on where you spend eternity. And there's only one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus. And if you don't know him today, today is your day. Just a simple act of faith.
in person, online, it doesn't matter where you are because God is there. Amen. He loves you. And he's calling you to himself. So I want us just to pray this prayer together. Every, everybody with me, every head bowed still. Let's just pray it together. If you raised your hand online, if you raised your hand here in person, let's just say this together out loud. Let's do it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive the gift of eternal life and a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. If you prayed that prayer online, there's a link in the description. If you'll click on that, we'd love to follow up with you and help you take those next steps. We love you guys. If you were here today for the first time and maybe you're new to Liberty Church, uh, at the exit to my right and the exit to the back left, there are some gift bags there. We'd love for you to grab one of those gift bags. If you did not fill out a connection card, we'd love for you to take a minute and you can just lay that connection card on the table and pick up a bag as just a gift. And we'd love, again, just to get you some information about the church and tell you a little bit more about how you can get connected. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day in the Lord.